Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to Lisa King, founder and CEO of Eat My Lunch and AF Drinks. A marketer by background having helped shape some huge brands or organisations including Fonterra, Cadbury's, PepsiCo, Heinz Watties and Unilever, Lisa's best known for Eat My Lunch. Lisa founded the business in 2015 to address the huge rates of hungry children in New Zealand. The business operates on a buy one, give one model. For every gourmet salad or sandwich an office worker buys from the business, a substantial healthy lunch will be gifted to a child in need. Today, Eat My Lunch feeds about 1,800 kids in 77 schools across Auckland and Wellington every day, and this is set to accelerate massively after the business recently won the government's Kaora Kaako Healthy School Lunches program, which will see them providing 3 million lunches across Auckland and Wellington next year. And as if that wasn't enough, in 2020, Lisa founded AF Drinks, alcohol-free beverages to help the sober curious explore a different relationship with alcohol. So let's hear about how a marketer has set about changing the world one lunch and drink at a time. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Ben. So what a a journey. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. So how do you you start off as a a marketer and and, and go from there to founding this incredible organisation? Yeah, so look, I've been really lucky. Um, my first job out of uni was as a, a graduate on the Fonterra marketing program. Right. So um, it wasn't necessarily a career I kind of chose, but it just seemed like it was quite generalist and it covered, you know, all areas of business. Yeah. Um, and I always knew I wanted to work overseas and, okay. you know, working with a New Zealand company like Fonterra that gave me those opportunities. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I learnt, you know, a lot of the basics. Um, but also you know, I was sent to the Philippines with Fonterra. Oh, wow. So I went and lived there for three and a half years marketing um, New Zealand dairy oh, products fantastic. in that market. Yeah, right. And that was really interesting because, you know, you're marketing a New Zealand brand mm. um, to a country that, you know, speaks a different language, yeah. has different values, um, you know, not a, not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I even developed a TVC when I was in the Philippines in Tagalog in wow. the native language. Did you? Yeah. yeah, cool. So I think that really started my understanding of, um, you know, just being in your consumers' shoes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. really understanding their lives and you know what they value and what they're looking for. Right. Um, and then after five years with Fonterra, I went to the UK. And landed a job at, I would say, at the time, my dream company, uh, which was Unilever. And that was an amazing, uh, you know, couple of years working in the regional team. I actually looked after a weight management brand called Slimfast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I don't know if you remember that. I do. do. (laughs) Um, And Unilever, they just taught me around, you know, the rigour of really understanding your consumers. Mm. You know, nothing could happen without consumer research. Um, I think in the two years that I was there, I would have sat in uh, hundreds of focus groups. Wow. You know, researching, listening, just understanding what consumers were looking for. So um, 
I think that really, you know, segmented that mindset of that you've just got to be consumer centric mm. because a lot of businesses say they are mm. um, and they don't yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Unilever kind of really gave me that discipline. Um, and then I came home pregnant <laughs> with my first child. Awesome. Um, and then I kind of spent the last uh, a few years after that working for you know in New Zealand um, for big food companies like yep, your Washies yep. and Bluebird mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, and then my last role was back at Fonterra. Yep. And that was really interesting. Um, I worked on a big project looking at if there was a business case to have anchor in Brazil. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So again, spending a lot of time <laughs> in yeah, Brazil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> different, you know, completely different market, mm. different country. But again, getting close to the to the customers. Yeah, getting really close, understanding what their needs were. Yeah. Um, and it was during that time at when I was in that role, um, you know, that I saw this news piece about kids in New Zealand going to school without lunches. Mm. You know, I just had you know, my second child. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, you know, I'd always worked in these big food companies. Not all of them were great food products, like, you know, your chocolates and chips. And, yep, yep, yep. Um, and I think, you know, when you have children, like I, I love food and I was very conscious about what I was feeding my kids. Mm. And I just would come home and be like, oh, you know, I'm selling like salt and sugar to the New Zealand public, mm, yet I wouldn't mm. let my kids have any of it at yeah, home. Yeah, 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 right. And so it just became this internal conflict of well, why am I doing this in my job and, you know, what am I teaching my kids? Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I saw this news piece about the kids, you know, New Zealand going to school without lunches, I just thought, oh, actually, I really want to do something about that. Um and I happen to be wearing a pair of Tom's shoes mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. has the buy one, give one model. Right, yeah. And that's really how, you know, I took inspiration from that, applied it to lunches, and um, and kind of six, seven months later, we launched Eat My Lunch from my house. Wow. And that was six years ago. And, and so, so going from corporates where there are, processes and structures around how you get close to customers and research and all those sorts of things. How did you take, I suppose, that ethos into a small startup? Yeah, I think having all that corporate experience gave me such a great grounding to Mm. starting my own business, not just from a marketing sales point of view, but also really understanding how, you know, to make a business work and function commercially because it's so complicated and there's so many things that you need to do. And particularly in that startup mode, you know, you're doing everything. Yeah. Um, but one of the, I think what's what made it easy was really understanding some of those key principles around, you know, being consumer centric, making it really simple and easy for your customers to understand mm-hmm. what this mm-hmm. concept is, yeah. especially when it's something new. You know, eat my lunch. It was the first of its kind in yeah. New Zealand. No one kind of, you know, had done that before. That's right. yeah. So we, I can't tell you the hours we spent um, just, you know, going through, should it be called buy one, give one? Or should it be buy a healthy lunch, give a healthy lunch? Like we spent yeah, yeah, yeah. days um, just agonising over these words. And in the end, we went back to just keeping it really simple. And I always kind of have this test if someone doesn't get it in the first layer of communication, if they kind of have to think about it or, you know, try and draw a reference to it or get something further to explain it, then you haven't got it. 
So buy one, give one straight away. People understand it. Yes, they kind of need to explore a bit more to get into detail. But um, yeah, I always try and keep the comms really, really simple. Can, so, you, can you explain why? Because because you know there, there are different schools of thought, aren't there? There's there's one that says you know make people think about it a bit more, and one that says people are super busy and they don't care enough. So so can you talk a bit more about how you approach that? I think for me, we all know how busy we are <laughs> and how much you know we get thrown with all the advertising, the different um, you know news and media out there and different mm, brands. Mm. And now, particularly with social media as well, it's yep. just like you're bombarded. And so I think if you can make it incredibly simple, people don't have to spend a lot of time getting it. Yep. And then once you hook them in, if they're interested, then they'll go out and find more information about it. Cool. But if you kind of lose them in the first few seconds, they're not going to come back to you. And they're on to the next message. And then they're on to the yeah. next thing. You know, And particularly for a startup, you don't have the money or the media budget um, or you know the research budget to spend um, like other companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have to be able to hook consumers in straight away. And so, I think, yeah. So, so, so at the very beginning, how how did that look? So, how did you go from working inside a corporate where you've got an ad agency and a research agency mm, and mm. people doing all sorts of things to <laughs> okay, it's me now? Yeah. So how, how do you create a brand and know that people like it and know that it works? What how what did you do? How did you do it? I came up with the name Eat My Lunch straight away. Mm. It was the first name that came to mind, and I just tested it and said it to myself and then I would test it with other people, like close group of people, like, oh, what do you think of that? Um, and I don't know, maybe it's the years of being in corporate. You know, I also trust my gut yep. a lot. Yep. Um, and I also then just in terms of research, you know, there's a lot of talk. People use the word, you know, you have to validate things. I don't really like that because... To me, validation always sounds like it's going to take heaps of time, yep. heaps of money, yep. um, you know, that there is a real science to it mm. that you have to, uh, to me, I'm um, like validate it, sure, but do it really fast and cheap and yeah, um, okay. and use a lot of your gut. And so I would literally at nights, I'd sit there, I'd Google all the different models around the world. I'd look at other companies, um, you know, I went on to... Facebook pages of people who are doing similar things mm -hmm. like catering or, you know, food um, boxes to homes. Yep, yep. And I'd read through all the consumer comments that people would make. Mm. And I suddenly, you know, it really became quite apparent quickly what people liked and didn't like. Right. Um, you know, what were some of the competitive advantages of these other businesses out there? And, you know, we just borrowed and copied wherever we could because that research is done. I mean, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, this is pre-Uber days <laughs> as well, but, you know, you could definitely get a sense of what people were looking for in terms of is it value, you know, is it delivery, is it the fact that they don't have to think about it, yeah, um, yeah. you know, quality of food, is it health? Um, so what we were able to quickly determine from our, just from basically Facebook pages, what people kind of valued in terms of and what would drive their purchasing decisions. So research doesn't need to be, um, you know, months and months of focus groups and surveys. It can be jumping online and seeing yeah. what's worked elsewhere too. Yeah, and just borrowing. I mean, there, yeah. you know, no ideas are 
brand new these days. Mm, mm, a lot mm, of it's mm. been done or elements of it's been done. Particularly when mm. we're a small market and there are bigger markets elsewhere that have, you know, trailblazed yeah. in different areas. Exactly. And just so learning from them and, yeah. you know, also helped like looking at all these different competitors or different companies in, in that space and using their language um, you know, because obviously they've tested it and spent yeah. lots of money on it. So yeah, totally. use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just even the way you know we talked about it, um, but it was really important. Um, I mean, I was very fortunate that I had this background and I was able to draw on, mm. you know, networks and contacts from yeah. previous corporate life to run these things past, and um, you know, like we. We knew Eat My Lunch's success was going to be based on word of mouth mm-hmm. and PR mm-hmm. because yes. we didn't have any advertising money. Yep. Um, and so we bought on a previous PR agency that we'd worked with and gave them equity in the business okay. Okay. Um, straight away. Right. And I've done that subsequently with AF Drinks as well. Um, you know, AF, when you're playing a beverage game, um, mm. it's all about branding. Yes. And so, you know, I've brought in, like, some of the best creatives in New Zealand to come on board. And, again, you know, providing, giving them equity up front um, because there's just no way I could afford that. (laughs) And I've I've seen them all talking about it on LinkedIn a lot. So, you know, it's it's certainly working. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, identifying, like, what's really key. um, And, you know, when you are a startup, you can call in favours. Yeah. and especially when you're a startup, you know, with a purpose like mm. Eat My Lunch, mm. yeah. And so, so let's have a talk about sales then. Mm. So, so you know, the the, the government contract recently, uh, incredible, and you know, you're and you're starting to pop up in different stores across the country, and you know, now you're on, on Air New Zealand, and you know, it's mm. just it's all really building up momentum. So, how do you get to that point from scratch? So, I'm, I'm keen to hear, I suppose, about how you did sales in the early mm. days and then I suppose what your approach is these days and how you how you structure it and all that sort of thing. Yeah, look, I think, you know, Eat My Lunch is a little bit of a, um, I wouldn't want to say that's the way to do it because I don't <laughs> think it happens that often. Yeah. Um, but, you know, before we launched, we went out again using our existing contacts. We knew we wanted to target, um, you know, businesses and corporates. Yep. And so we actually just went in and presented it to a couple of you know, close friends yes. um, and yeah. agencies and things mm, like that. And mm. so we kind of got them to be the first customers. Okay. And um, and I think, you know, what's important for a small business is you want to create, you need to create momentum quickly or even the sense of momentum. And so we would use, um, you know, these customers and showcase them and said, oh, well, you know, Colenso's bought... 50 lunches today and yeah, gave 50 yeah. and um, because you know by using that those stories and examples other people then want to come on board mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of what we did we then also went out to you know some influencers and sent them lunches yep. we were very lucky we had a contact at Shortland Street um, right. and so we went and you know the cast of Shortland Street bought lunches so trying to create this groundswell um, early on I think mm. it's really important so using all of our contacts yeah. Yeah. Um, it also helped that we had Michael Meredith as the chef yes. you know yeah. so a well-known chef um, gave that credibility yeah. as well and people were interested um, you know we from a PR point of view 
I think it is really important. Um, you know, we were lucky. We had so much PR coverage mm, mm, in mm. the first couple of years just because of what we were doing. So having this amazing story to tell. Because of being purpose-driven. Because of being purpose-driven and the model and how it worked. Um, having Michael, you know, yes, yeah. starting it from my home. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I think getting that awareness out really quickly is important mm. and that will also help drive your sales. Um, so I, I do think Eat My Lunch was probably a little bit of an anomaly in that sense because it did grow incredibly fast and yes. we went from, you know, 50 lunches a day to... 200 to 400 within you know a couple of weeks wow um and then you know by our 12th week we'd hit our three-year forecast so um yeah and that wasn't through necessarily concerted sales effort but more from a marketing and pr effort was that Um, was that do you think was was the the power of the purpose part of that because we we spoke recently to brianne west from etique Mm -hmm. and she said that you know when a customer's got two options in front of them and one does some good and one just fills the tummy they're going to probably go for the first one yeah absolutely I think that purpose um, being so core to what we do Mm, and why mm. it makes people feel really good you know about choosing yes eat my lunch yes Um, we also filled a real customer need at the time you know this was pre Uber Eats days right okay, okay so I remember you know when I was working at Fonterra in the city you're so busy if you don't have time for lunch, mm. um, either you miss lunch or you'd go out and you'd grab something really horrible and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, not good for you. And I'd always think, oh, I'd be so great if someone could deliver, you know, a really healthy lunch here. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there was a real consumer need um, or a problem to be solved there as well. Yep. So um, I think, you know, not just doing a good sales job, mm. but you've got a product that people actually want yeah. that does good um, you know, it's driven by a great purpose. Yes. Um, with a, you know, it was a novel concept at the time, so people wanted to try it. You know, with really good PR and marketing behind it. Mm, mm. Um, we also created awareness on a more personal level, where we had volunteers come and make the lunches for the kids. Right. right and we right. had that pretty much in week two or three. Because that's become saying. a big part of the brand, hasn't it? It's become a huge part of the brand. So having these brand advocates, you know, they'd come, most of them are our customers, so they actually see what happens on the other side, mm-hmm. you know, and when they make these lunches for kids, like, you know, they come at 6.30 in the morning. It's a, it's a couple of hours. It's pretty early for some. Um, yeah. And they leave on a high, like they feel good because they've, they know that, you know, all these lunches that they've just made – are going to go and feed some kids that day. So they help you make the sandwiches, they're customers for life, and then they go and tell people about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and they go back to work, you know, at Incredible. 9 o'clock. And, um, Incredible. Yeah, so it's been amazing, and we've had over 30,000 volunteers wow. in the time that we've been going, and, you know, there's always been a waiting list. Yeah. That yeah. We've never had to ask, you know, for volunteers, so... That's been, it was never designed that way. Um, it was just we needed hands and, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's definitely become such a unique and crucial part mm. of Eat My Lunch. And I think, you know, when you do have particularly a brand with purpose, it has to be genuine and authentic and transparent. And a lot of companies talk about being authentic and genuine. Mm, mm. But um, 
you know, giving people the experience, showing them what happens. You know, we always said we were one of the most transparent food companies where you could come in and see all the food being made. I mean, there's not many places no. you can be, you can do that as a customer. And, and you very deliberately show lots of imagery of, you know, the team in there and yourself in there and the workshop and the kitchens. You know, that's that's certainly a feature of the way you communicate. So yeah. it's interesting to hear that's, you know, deliberate strategy around transparency. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, something like Eat My Lunch, it's about taking people on that journey, giving them stories, mm. you know, and how do you tell that story? And there's nothing like it by experiencing it firsthand. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's why we do spend a lot of time taking, you know, key customers out to schools as well so they can see right. the kids. We have some volunteers who drop the lunches off to the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, I think that transparency, we've always just said that's key to who we are um, and we don't hide, you know, what we're doing, but we actually want people to be a part of it. Yeah. And, and and so so how how do you these days how do you approach sales how does that work inside your organisation is it you know is it is it a unique in a purpose driven organisation is it typical you know how how does that work I think it's pretty typical um, <laughs> and these days you know I think with the kind of sales tools and media landscape changing so much you know we've also had to adapt the mm. first few years we were really lucky you know we had customers coming to us and yep. we didn't really have to do you know a much proactive work yes. um, but obviously as people kind of came to know Eat My Lunch and um, you know they maybe weren't as proactive then we've kind of had to change our sales strategy and mm. go out and remind customers you know yes there are still kids that need feeding yes. um, that they still need um you know, to buy lunch and yeah. here's a really great choice. We've also had to change our offerings quite a lot to suit our customers' needs. Um, and and how, how have you found out that their needs are changing? How do you do that? So I was the customer services person for um, the first two years. Awesome. <laughs> I answered cool. every single email um, and, you know, respond to every Facebook comment. And I still do that. Um, you know, I will still read all the Facebook comments and, you know, all the feedback and everything that we get. Wow. Because I think, you know, that's part of staying close mm. to your customers. Because as you grow, it's easy to become a little bit detached. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so being really close to them in that way, we could, we heard what they needed and wanted okay. and we were able to change our menus and our offerings really quickly so um, you know our lunches originally came in a box yeah. um, there was only one lunch you could have no dietaries because we were like it's too hard Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know we were suddenly getting big orders for you know a couple of hundred lunches mm. and you know there was always the vegetarian or the gluten free Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we had to come up with that pretty fast um, and then also as kind of years have gone by people have said oh, well actually we prefer to have platters rather than these individual lunch boxes right. um, like if we're doing an afternoon tea or you know something so again you know we've introduced a lot of those new offerings or um, you know when going low carb was the thing um, <laughs> yeah a lot of our female customers said look I Love eat my lunch. I just don't like all the bread. Hey, I'm keto. Are you? There yeah, we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it is staying really close, mm. and we really pride ourselves on being 
you know, really action orientated and flexible. And so we've managed, you know, our normal kind of new product development time is about two weeks, um, sometimes less. Uh, You know, if a customer wants something, we, and this is, I think, how we become customer focused is I normally will say yes, and then we figure it out later. If it's the right thing to do and if it's, you know, if there's a real customer desire for it, we'll go, yep. Um, and then we'll figure it out. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. what, what would be, if you look back um, in any of your businesses, but, you know, this one or elsewhere, what would be the, I suppose, the, the sales or marketing achievement that you're proudest of? Oh, I mean, there's, it's hard to isolate it to a single achievement because, you know, it's an ongoing process mm. and um, it's hard to define it to one act activity necessarily um what I love about eat my lunch is you know we achieved 50% brand awareness within 18 months Mm. um which I think is incredible it is you know I haven't like other brands I've worked on in big corporates don't get that kind of awareness with with far more money to spend with far more money yeah and what I really love is that you know we have done it um, in a really clever, creative way, mm. and um, and it just shows that you don't need to always have yeah. lots of money um, to get awareness out there. And I, I, that challenge is always really fun, you know, when yeah. we're like, no, you can't spend that, or no, we can't do this, so how else can we do it? And I think it forces you to think outside of the box as a small business. Well, um, what about the what about the recent you know your recent government um, deal mm. with you know three million lunches in a year is just mm. huge. So how does that happen? I think it's on the back of the fact that we um, you know we've been doing this for six years now, and you know we took it upon ourselves six years ago to do something that the government wasn't doing. Yeah, um, we showed that there was a need and that people were willing to support it um, and the impact. That we could have. And and did you did you actively uh, engage with government around that, or was that was that a deliberate thing, or did, was it more that you know they came to talk to you after seeing what you had done? Yeah, they. I mean, they decided to invest this money into trialing school lunches, mm. and we um, we were one of the suppliers that went into the tender. Um, and I would like to thank. I mean, for us, that was a huge win, not just from a volume perspective. You know that, like today, we're making eighteen thousand lunches a day at the moment. It's massive, and you know we've created employment this year for a hundred eighty people. Wow! So wow. you know, um, it's incredibly eighty people. Yeah, we had to recruit one hundred eighty people over Christmas. So. Incredible. <laughs> um, you know, so the impact of it is, you know, is amazing and I'm really proud of that. But I think I got the most satisfaction in thinking that actually, hopefully because of Eat My Lunch, it accelerated bringing this program into schools a lot mm. earlier and a lot faster than it might have yes. if we didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What would be um, so if you're if you're talking to our listeners who um, are looking at sales and marketing and trying to get their head around how it, you know what it means for their business, what would you give them as your sort of top tips? Things that you've learned over the years. Um, as I said, keep it simple, mm. you know, and be consistent. Like our messaging for Eat My Lunch, you know, it was buy one give one. It was always about the kids and the impact and our purpose for yeah. two years straight. 
Um, and I think it's very easy, you know, to go, oh, no, I've talked about that. I'll move on to something else. Mm. But um, you forget actually your customers or consumers you're only reaching such a small amount of them and people need to hear messages, the same messages over and over again to really get it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think yeah, that one I sometimes have to remind myself even now with AF drinks because we've got so much we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, that actually consistency and, you know, just being really, yeah, firm to what you're saying and communicating is really key and keeping it incredibly simple um, and engaging people with stories okay you know I think storytelling is the new skill to have in marketing and say what you mean by that um, I learned from eat my lunch that you know the power of stories and the ability to communicate to connect with consumers on an emotional level is far more powerful than selling them a product that does X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I know big companies, there's always this balance between emotional and functional benefits. Yeah. Um, and the emotions, we are emotional beings, and emotions will always override, you know, rational, logical thought. Yeah. And yeah. so, and I saw that, like, every day with Eat My Lunch, um, the the feelings that we were able to bring up for people when, you know, you tell them about a child that's going to school with no lunch or how it's made someone a kid happy because they did get a lunch that day because of, the you know, someone buying a lunch. Mm. Um, that was so powerful. Our, I think our most effective marketing tool at Eat My Lunch was putting a letter from a kid in the lunch boxes. And I was surprised. I went to a conference and... Um, a couple of people, like some older, you know, gentlemen, had kept the letters and he carries them in his diary. Wow. With him. Wow. Because they just touched him yeah. so much, you know. So when you can actually, I think, connect with hearts and minds of consumers, that's where you win. And you you can't do that through just ads. No, you, know, if you contrast, you know, if you contrast what you do with others in the food category who, you know, it is a lot more rational and there isn't that purpose. It's night and day, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's harder to sell that. I mean, and you're always going to get a competitor or someone else who can make a product just as good as you can. And, yeah, so I think, you know, having that purpose and, yeah, the and, you know, people want to buy into brands that say something about them as well. Um, and so I think, you know, that emotional connection is just so key. And I think the most effective way to do that is to tell stories, whether it's, you know, the founder story about why you're doing it or, um, you know, the impact that it's having, the good that you're doing, um, you know, shouting out about the, your partners or your customers. Yes. Those are always the most engaging bits of communication that we put out. And... You were talking before about working with, you know, people in PR and creatives. And so keen to, I'm keen to understand mm. your thoughts on what you should in-house and what you should outsource. What have you learned over the years? Well, um, I think it's different for every business. And, um, you know, it depends on how much money you have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, who you can ask favours from. But I'm always, you know... Apart from assessing what the business needs, I'm really clear about what I'm really good at and what I'm not good at as well. And um, and I think, you know, there are just some things 
doesn't matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be good at it or I'm not going to be as good as someone else. Mm. Um, So, you know, bringing in that expertise into the business, whether it is in-house or sourced externally, I think is important. Um, But I do think... um, it's hard for a small business, mm. you know, when you're having to pay agency rates or, yep. you know, outsourcing, it is really, um, I don't think many small startups could afford that. So it's prioritising, you know, where you want to spend the money and then finding creative ways yeah. to fund that. So, yeah. so what have you, as you've grown as an organisation, what do you now do in-house that you used to get help with? Um, so even things like... Uh, I mean, when we first started, we outsourced our deliveries, you know, to a third-party courier company. Mm. And we have bought that in-house, and now we have about 30 drivers and 30 vans driving around. (laughs) And, you know, that capability, we are actually more a logistics and supply chain company at Eat My Lunch than we are anything else. Mm. Um, So, you know, again, that was such a crucial part of our business, not just because we have to deliver lunches, but from a customer experience, we could not leave that to someone else. And so we wanted our own people who, you know, wore our branded shirts, Mm. who understood what the company was about because they were interacting with our customers and they were actually like our sales team most of the time. Um, So we bought all of that in-house because that was just so important to us. Really interesting because there are other food delivery companies that don't do that, mm-hmm. you know. And it's 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 interesting to understand the strategy behind, you know, why why you why you did that and looking at them as a as a sales and marketing channel as well as a you know delivery mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the feedback we get about our um, drivers is incredible, you know. And it's the same people that goes to the same places a lot of the time, so yeah, they start right. developing that relationship with our customers. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll be telling them about the new stuff that we're doing. Cool. That's you know, great. you're just not going to get that with a third-party no. courier company. Um, yeah, and even like we've always, I've always kind of done all the marketing in-house mm. myself and social media, um, and like we use design agencies, of course. Um, so I think you know that's really important from that angle of telling stories is yeah. that um, no one can tell it the way that you can and things there are so many things that happen all the time yeah, 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 yeah. you know whether it's this group that's coming I mean I remember coming in one day and there was the whole um kitchen was filled with policemen in uniform you know they had all come wow. in to volunteer that's awesome which is amazing yeah you know and yeah. um so being able to tell that really quickly mm-hmm. you know you can't outsource things like that no, um no, no. Yeah, so definitely I think, you know, social media is really key to keep in-house. Yeah, and we had yeah. tried outsourcing it and it just didn't work. Okay. Um, but, you know, creative, it's hard to, unless you're really amazing at that and you've got that as a skill. And yeah. I haven't met many small business owners who do. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're creative thinkers. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, how to execute that Um And there are some things that from the outset, like with AF, I kind of learned I should just outsource that straight away, like finance, Um, (laughs) accounting, (laughs) the admin things that, you know, I quickly learned what I can add value to and what I can't. Play to your strengths. Um, Yeah, and playing to my strengths. And so, yeah, so I think that's really important. 
And what, what have you um, learned over the years that big businesses know that small businesses don't or vice versa? Um, you know, I think I spoke to some of the disciplines of big business mm. and using the um, yeah those models and principles are really important. And I think that's what helped us get ahead right. very fast with Eat My Lunch and also with AF Drinks. Um, you know, we started that during lockdown. I got the team together over a Zoom call and that's kind of how we started off. Wow. And we were launched in November. Mm-hmm. You know, so some things, uh, you know, a lot of people were surprised they eat my lunch. It only took us seven months to, you know, from coming up with the idea to mm-hmm. launching it. So, um, you know, I think doing things fast. Yes. These days, so much of it is about speed to market. Yeah, okay. And who's first. So it's taking the disciplines from the corporate world but applying a bit more agility and speed and nimbleness yeah. as a small yeah. business. Yeah, I think the setup, I use a lot of disciplines from the corporate world of setting up a business, the structure, mm-hmm. strategy, um, you know, being really clear on what you want to achieve. Yep. Um, but then operationally, I think, you know, small business, We've shown time and time again just how fast and agile that we can yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. Um, like last year during lockdown, you know, schools closed and corporates closed. And so Eat My Lunch's revenue went from, you know, it dropped by 90% within a week. God, that's scary. Um, and we knew we didn't have a customer base. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, well, what can we do? And we're really good at logistics and supply chain. Um, so we were delivering fresh groceries to people's homes. So all the things you can't, you couldn't stock up at, uh, stock up with. And so, it's, you know, fruit, vegetables, bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we were able to switch that on within days. And so were you an emergency service at the time? Yeah. And then Fantastic. with schools as well being closed, we were able to then deliver a box, you know, a weekly kind of food box to the kids' homes that gave them enough ingredients to make lunches for the week. And we, yeah, we delivered to 2,000 kids' homes um, every week. That's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, small business, I think that just proved to me how agile that we could be. And decision-making is really easy in a small business. Um, It's one of the things I think, you know, we're really good at is just the ability to make decisions fast and then go with it and take the risk and then change. And I think that's an advantage that big businesses need these days is to learn quickly and to change faster than their competitors. Yes, mm. yeah. Well, look, that, that brings me to the last question. Um, this, is, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you. Um, the last question that we always ask our um, guests is if you were going to give our listeners one piece of advice that they could wake up in the morning and action tomorrow, what would it be? Oh, if I can give um, maybe more than one, but always hard. Yeah, look, I always, um, you know, the way Eat My Lunch started, and people ask me as well. You know, I've been thinking about doing a business. What should I do? But I'm not sure. Um, it always ta- it takes a lot of courage, I think. You know, to start your own thing and to run your own small business, it's so much work. I think people don't realise. But I always say, just take action. Like, just do something because it's great having all these ideas. But if you don't make it into reality and test it and try it, um, nothing's going to happen. So you know, my advice is always to take action and. Um, 
And the other bit of advice is, you know, one of my favorite saying, sayings is that, um, you know, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Like, I think we live a lot in our personal lives and business, you know, worried mm, mm. about the worst that could happen. Yep. But when you actually do it, um, you discover actually all the things that are amazing about it and you know some of the opportunities that come with that fantastic thank you lisa really really appreciate your time thank you thanks for listening to this episode of the nz sales and marketing insider if you liked it you can follow the podcast on apple podcasts spotify or your favorite podcast app for fortnightly episodes for other great new zealand podcasts head over to podcasts.nz And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to guerrillatechnology.com. See you next time.